Does that work better now? Beware the Ides of March. Does anybody know what that means? Is anybody familiar with that? Oh, I told my son what it meant and he called me a nerd for knowing that. <laughs> Beware the Ides of March. The Ides of March was during the Roman calendar, the Romans the Ides basically meant the middle of the month, fifteenth. Uh, Beware the Ides of March was coined by Shakespeare uh, with a play that he did about Julius Caesar, the assassination of Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was assassinated on March 15th. He had a, there was a soothsayer in the play that said, beware the Ides of March, and of course Julius Caesar didn't abide by that warning. It's interesting because a few months ago, Charles was asking me if I'd be available to preach mid-March, beginning of March. He wasn't sure. I said, yeah, probably. I said, what, uh, what's the scripture? He says, looking at his calendar, he says, it will be March 15th. So immediately I'm thinking, beware the Ides of March. <laughs> and he gives me the scripture, and it's 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. And if in your Bible, if, you, if it's got the little headers and everything, you know what the header is for that section of scripture? suffering so beware the ides of march first peter gives us a warning to be to beware or be aware of suffering as a christian he says in verse 12 beloved do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you We will suffer as Christians, but we have hope. As I th thought about this, these verses and, and suffering, we suffer very simply because stuff happens. We are in this world and things happen around us and sometimes we suffer the consequences of that. Sometimes we suffer the consequences of our own choices. I was going to mention speeding tickets, but I don't see the one I was going to refer to. But that is a consequence of our, of our actions, isn't it? We're also, we also suffer because of the choices others make that affect us, the consequences there. We also need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. Don't forget, we are in a spiritual battle every single day. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand it in, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We suffer as Christians because there is that spiritual battle going on. And we need to recognize that and, and focus on that daily. We suffer, but we should never think that God is punishing me. I've heard people say that 
This is happening to me because God is punishing me. God took the punishment on the cross. You are not being punished. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, His blood covers what you deserve. The punishment, the wages of sin is death. The punishment you deserve, He took care of. So never think that God is punishing me as the reason to why you are suffering. He does use our trials to correct us. Hebrews 12 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God uses our suffering and our trials to correct us, not to punish us, to bring us around and bring us closer to Him. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Sometimes those are hard words to hear during our trials. But they build character and we're told to rejoice in them. Rejoice in our trials. Romans 5 says, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Glory in your tribulations. Learn from your examples. Let God teach us lessons. I have an example of a story. It's, it's, it's a not necessarily a refining of gold story, but it's an answered prayer story. Uh, if you know me, you know that I drive around the state a lot for my work. Um, so, most of the time when I'm driving, it's early morning hours, usually the hours of the day where the deer like to stand on the road, that time of day. So uh, when I started driving, I would pray, God, keep the animals off the road, keep me safe. One day, I very nearly hit a deer. I was so close I could see the hairs on its backside. It scared the death out, scared me to death. Put my computers on the floor, you know, hitting the brakes and everything. And as I'm pulling away from him, going much slower on the highway, I'm thinking, God, why didn't you keep this deer off the road? And as I turn around a corner, going a moderate speed, I was able to slow down for the two bull elk that were standing right in the middle of the road at that time. And so as I sat there and admired God's creation, I also thought about why he why he was putting me through this trial. So I didn't hit these big elk, right? So I continued to drive for my work, 
every once in a while there's still a deer on the road. There's still some close calls, you know? And I say, God, why, why are you not answering my prayer? You know what God said? I, he said, I did answer your prayer. I said, no. I want you to look for those deer. I want you to be aware of what's going on around you. I don't want you to get too comfortable with your driving. So he taught me a lesson through these trials of nearly hitting all these deer and, and learning something. And that's kind of the example that I'm trying to give you here is through our trials, we may get irritated, we may get frustrated, we may get down. But through these trials, God is building us up. He is teaching us and He is drawing us closer to Him. Suffering is a purifying process to draw us closer to God. In Psalm 66, 10 through 12, it says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. When we are taken through these trials and we learn through our suffering, God brings us out to rich fulfillment. So how do we suffer as Christians? We're all familiar with the first century Christians, with the apostles and how they've suffered and how they were persecuted. Every single one of the apostles died a horrible death, tortured, beaten, ridiculed. The first century Christians had a hard time meeting. You know, they had to meet in secret. They had their own little sign, the ichthus. Ichthus, is that that? Ichthus, yeah. The fish, the fish symbol. We know what the history of the, of the persecution of the church is. Around the world today, it's the same thing. Middle East, people are literally losing their lives because they won't renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. People are, are not able to proclaim their faith openly in certain places. The Christian community at large, we face uh, ridicule and and being called names, falsely being called names, bigots, haters, we're judgmental. The political arena, we fight abortion, family values, you name it. But the question that I pondered while I was thinking about this is how do you suffer for Christ? It's kind of a gut check time. How do you suffer for Christ in comfortable Casper, Wyoming? I don't know about you, but my job's pretty open. The people I work with, I'm able to talk. I can talk about Jesus. They'll listen. They're polite, and they'll, they may or may not hear what I have to say. But I'm not persecuted. I'm not even ridiculed, really. If you consider, oh, Paul won't look at these bad jokes or dirty pictures or whatever because he's a Christian. If you consider that ridicule, I guess, you know. Praise, yeah. So my job is pretty open to, to talking about Jesus, to proclaiming my faith, to letting me walk the walk. So how are you known in your suffering? In the next few verses, Peter says, Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. 
If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. How are you known for your suffering? Are you suffering in Christ's name, or are you suffering in that list that he gave as an evildoer? I noticed these things about his list there. They're intentional. To be a murderer, to be a thief, to be an evildoer or busybody, you have to be intentional in those things. Likewise, we should be intentional in walking with Christ, in partaking of his sufferings, in being reproached for the name, and suffering as a Christian, not being ashamed, and glorifying God in, in that matter. What do you think of when I say a name? When we say, in Christ's name, what do you think of? In Christ's name means to be doing things according to His character. Doing things according to His will. Doing things that represent the name of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to do a, a little audience participation here. I'm going to say a name and you yell out a word that comes to mind when, you, when I say it. So when I say Hitler, what do you say? What do you think of? Evil death. Yeah. Mother Teresa. Compassion, love, right? Okay. So what do you think of when I say Jesus Christ? Sacrificial Savior, love, compassionate, grace. The list goes on. Guess what? There's a whole book here that talks about the name of Jesus Christ. We need to live intentionally in Christ's name, what He represents and what He tells us to obey. When I think of ways that we suffer as Christians, and I know that we're all very comfortable here in Casper, we don't, have, we don't face persecution, praise God, we're able to practice, we're able to come here freely. But one thing I was thinking about in a way that we suffer, there are times in our life where we might say, why is this happening to me? I've been doing everything right, or so it seems. I've been trying to walk the walk. Why is this happening to me? How do I deserve this treatment? How do I de why do I deserve this happening to me? Now, Granted, I know nobody here is perfect, but we all try to walk the walk. We all try to be good people. And yet, stuff still happens. We suffer when we walk in the name of Christ and life happens. Stuff happens. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Uh, one time, a few weeks ago, I was driving to town and I get a call from my son, Asher, and he says, Dad, my car has broke down again. It won't start in front of Mom's office. I'm like, all right, I'll be there in a little bit, and we'll look at it and fix it. So I get off the phone with him, and I'm immediately irritated. I'm like, why is this happening to me? I do not know things about automobiles. I can change the oil. I can change the tires, you know, simple things. 
I don't know how to diagnose a vehicle and see what's wrong with it. it I, instantly, I'm irritated. But I know that I need to calm down, so thankfully, I had a, about a 20-minute drive to get there, and I calm down, and I get there with Asher. All right, let's try and jump. And he says, well, that won't work. Well, we got to try everything, you know, because I don't know what's going on. Not only this, this is his, he's got two cars. We haven't even sold the first one from buying another one. So he's got two junkers, kind of. <laughs> the first one's already broke down and been working on forever. Now we got this one's broke down. So you see where my mind's at? I'm, I've, I've just had it. I'm done. I can't stand it. So we're, and I'm trying to be patient as a father, trying to be a good example, you know, to my son. I say, I back my truck up right next to his because that's where the cables could reach. And I'm, so I'm stuck in there. I'm like, well, you know, he's a big boy. He can take care of everything. He's running out, putting the jumper cables on and everything. Runs back in his car. Doesn't do anything. We're sitting there talking through the windows. and I'm, Well, I think it's this thing. No, I don't think it's that thing because that doesn't make any sense. And, like I know anything, but talking back and forth and I said well get the jumper cables off and we'll do something else and he gets out and I'm just sitting there looking in his car and then I'm like Asher get back in your car he gets back in his car I say now put it in park <laughs> now now it'll start but you see you see what I'm saying though how we can be our own worst enemy I was just fed up and had an attitude right off the bat. And what was the problem? A simple fix. I've done it before. I'm sure we've all done really dumb things like that before. Simple things. But we're our, we're our own worst enemy at times. But there are times that we suffer when it's not a simple thing when it's not our own thinking. There are times that we suffer when we have a loss of a family member, a sudden loss of a family member. When there's a betrayal, when there's loss of property somehow, a sudden change in your life, physical ailment, something that's just dragging you down, unfair circumstances. Why do I deserve this, Lord? Why is this happening to me? We do our best to walk with Him, yet stuff happens. We will suffer as Christians, but we have hope. The question shouldn't be, why am I suffering? But how do I handle it? In what manner do I deal with it? This is the light on the hill. Matthew 5, 14-16 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men isn't this the perfect opportunity to let your light shine when things are at their worst? This is the time in our life when we can show people Jesus, when they will actually ask, what is it 
Where is your hope? I want some of that because I see how you're acting. I see how you're acting under these circumstances. This is how we show people Jesus. We have hope. Verses 17 and 18 remind us of eternity. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? When I read through that, I was just, and I'm thinking of the, how we have hope when we suffer as Christians. It reminds me of eternity, our eternal hope that we have. We can look forward to that. We have that to look forward to, spending eternity in the glory of God because of what His Son did for us. It, it, kinda, it, it, it also tells us of the importance of telling our loved ones, making sure our loved ones know. Yes, they have free will, but are we telling them? Are we sharing that love with them? All you need to know is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You're all able to share now. You know that, and I think of eternity, and I think of our, our, the families, and our own families, and I think of how in this very church, I'd never heard of such a thing as a good funeral before. To hear about, yeah, we're sorry, we're sad that our loved ones are gone. But we know where they are. We have that hope and that confidence and we can go on and we share that with one another. powerful but yet as we talk about eternity we can think about these things as we're suffering as we're going through these trials in our lives we say well I get that but I'm still struggling I'm struggling with the here and now what do I do verse 19 answers that question Peter says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Honestly, I hope this is you really find encouragement and peace in this, these next few things. That when we suffer with things that are out of our control, we don't know why these things are happening to us, to our family, to our situation. I was told by a very wise man to sit back and remember, what do you know? What do you know? Fall back, regroup, refocus. 
when the world has fallen down around you, seemingly, go back to what you know. And what do you know? When it, say, when it says, commit to Him and doing good, I think of praying. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You hear us talk about praying all the time. We encourage you to pray. We want you to pray. Man, I can't tell you how awesome praying is. We pray without ceasing. We pray while we're driving. Obviously, please keep your eyes open while you're driving. (laughs) We have that constant communication with God. But this prayer, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, do you get that? If you don't get that, Keep praying until you do. I guarantee you, He will give it to you. Sometimes i got to sit and pray and get everything off my chest, and finally God's saying, Okay, Paul, now shut up. Now listen to me. Man. That's pretty powerful. When you actually listen to God, And let His peace overwhelm you. Suddenly you can do anything. Which another verse I get great comfort from, and you've heard it, the last part of it. It says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen to those words. I know how to be abased and how to be how to abound. I know how to be at the lowest of lows and the highest of highs. Through Christ who strengthens me. We're to be content wherever we're at in life. Think of that again, being the light. How how bright is your light when you're content? Clear down here. Dealing with what you're dealing with. Whatever life throws at you. And you're you're praising God. Amen. Be in His Word. It says commit to Him in doing good. Be in His Word. Again, if we're going to walk in Jesus' name, if we're going to do as He said, if we're going to live like He lives, Follow His character. Know what His will is. We have to read the the Bible. We have to read His Word. This is not just a book. This is a living Word. This is God's Word to us, each one of us, that we can spend time in each day and draw closer to Him. Commit to Him in doing good. Serve others. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then he says what? Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love your neighbor. Serve others. Just think about that for a minute. We're suffering. We're dealing with this issue that's breaking us down. What happens when you serve someone else? What happens when you show love to them? You're lifted up. They're lifted up. You're both encouraged. You know what? That's what this body of Christ is. That's what this church is. We encourage and edify one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and, guess what, good works. Not forsaking the assembly of, of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I can't tell you how often this body of Christ has lifted me up and shown me love, helped me through trial after trial. And you know what? The enemy is going to keep throwing trials at me. <clears throat> I like to think I got him scared. But it's because we have this body. It's because we have mentors that we can go to and learn from, pray with. It's because we have a men's group that I can go and bear my soul and not be judged and be loved. This body of Christ, if you're not connected, if you haven't yet had the opportunity to serve with this body, and when I say serve, I mean two things. Serve, yeah, you know, cleaning, setting up communion, whatever, all the jobs we have around here, but also serving one another, helping one another out, encouraging one another, just like Hebrews just said, the writer of Hebrews. We're to encourage and love one another, lift each other up, if you haven't got connected yet, I want to encourage you to do that. Find a small group. Find a Bible study. Find somebody. Bother Charles as much as you can. <laughs> he will love that. He will. But that's what we're here for. We are here for one another. And so, you know, when we're faced with these trials... We rejoice and we refocus and we go back to what we know. I know that you are my brothers and sisters. I know that I can pray to a God who is all-powerful and can give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. I know that I can find peace and solitude and courage in this, His living Word. I know that I can serve you and we can both be lifted up in the, in the process. Commit to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. I was told to remember what you know. Go back to what you know. And I think of a faithful Creator. You know, go back to basics. Who Remember who He is. 
Who is this God that you serve? The creator of the universe, able to do all things. Greater is he that lives inside of me than than he who is in the world. God conquers all. Also, who are you? Remember, you are a child of God. Ephesians, let me read Galatians. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We have promises that have been given to us. We have put on Christ. I'm assuming that everyone here is a believer and we've been baptized. And we have put on Christ. Together, we are one. There's power in that. There's power in the fact that we have the promises of God that we will be with Him forever. I always like John 15 where he talks about abiding in Him, abiding in Jesus, dwelling in Him constantly. Jesus goes on to say in John 16, 33, says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Praise God for that. That in me you may have peace. And you will have tribulation. These Christians will suffer, but we have hope. Be of good cheer, he says. I have overcome the world. Whenever you get down, you are overcome with your suffering. Refocus. Fall back to what you know. Who is God? Who are you to God? Pray. Read. Get involved with the body of Christ. Find encouragement there. Last week, Charles concluded his sermon by saying, Spend time praying. Spend time loving, spend time serving, and God will be glorified, the church will be edified, and the world notified that God is real. You will be that light. So as I conclude, beware the Ides of March. Be warned. We are going to have our suffering. Peter says, don't be surprised, but rejoice. That through these fiery trials, we have hope that He is with us and we will draw ever closer to God by being intentional in the way we deal with these fiery trials. Be the light to the world. If you have a need to come forward and recommit yourself to God, if you feel the need to talk about baptism, if you just feel the need for prayer, I ask you to come forward as we sing our invitation song. Will you please stand?